Yes, I'm speaking about Joshua today. I'm not supposed to be speaking about Joshua today. I'm supposed to be speaking about Jethro today. Uh, And when we got here this morning, Rob said to me, who are you speaking about today? And I said, Joshua, why? He says, you sure it shouldn't be Jethro? And yes, it should be Jethro. We get get like a series and, and we get characters put into it and we get asked. And that idiotic me saw the J and didn't think I needed to look any further. And assumed Jay was going to be Joshua. Don't ask me why. Um, but it's a bit late to change now. So anybody who wants to hear about Jethro this morning, kids' church is upstairs. <laughs> and you're more than welcome to leave you. I'm sure it's going to be a better preach anyway. We'll perhaps save Jethro for another time. Um, but no, here we are with Joshua. I mean, they're all great characters, aren't they? This series has been about wonderful characters from the Bible. Um, I look at them as kind of superheroes. Remember when I was little? Um, did anybody else have the top trumps? Or maybe some kids have still got top trumps. And I had a quick look for the old superheroes top trumps this week um, on um, that well-known search engine. And they weren't actually by top trumps. They were by another company. But I found the original pack of cards that I had when I was about 10, I guess. All those characters, um, they were all Marvel comic characters, weren't they? The Silver Surfer, Superman, Iron Man, the Hulk, um, 52 of them, I think. And they all had certain characteristics, and the game, obviously, was that you played it out and you hoped that you got the Silver Surfer because he had 10 in special powers, and he could be anybody. But they were all based on human beings, and, and the whole Marvel comic series was about human characters who'd been given special powers. And as human beings, of course, therefore, they all had weaknesses. So whilst they had tens and nines in some areas, they had fours and fives in others. And it reminds me when I I see them again, that all these wonderful characters in the Bible that we talk about and speak of were human beings. And whilst they had what we perceive maybe to be a special calling or maybe even special powers bestowed upon them, by God, they were still human beings. So fundamentally, they're no different to you and they're no different to me. And we mustn't look upon them and put them on some sort of pedestal as characters from a bygone era. We can still perform great acts today in our lives if we accept the Holy Spirit into us as they did into them. But perhaps more of that later. So let's talk a little bit about Um, Joshua. Joshua, as many of you, you probably know more about Joshua than Jethro, I'm guessing. If I spoke about Jethro today, I could have probably made the story up, and most people wouldn't have known what what I was talking about. Joshua, you probably know. Joshua's background was um, he was a leader of one of the the Israelite tribes. He was part of Moses' gang, if you like. He walked that journey with Moses in the wilderness, the story of the, um, the Israelites. Um, excuse me. It was too tight to do one-handed, these. And that story started in Egypt, and we probably know much of that. Moses was commanded by God to leave the Israelites out of Egypt into a promised land. Um, We go through the early books of the Bible and it tells us that story and Joshua forms part of that. And in the very early stages, he's he's quite um, 
an unspoken of character, but we know he exists. He comes to prominence first because Moses asks him to become one of the spies who he sends into the land of Canaan, which is the land that has been promised to them, to find out what's going on in that land. And there are 12 guys that go out into that land. Joshua's one of them. Um, and he comes back with the other 11, and only two of those 12 give a good report of that land. The other 10, as you probably know, are fearful of what's there and speak of giants um, and, and, and terrifying scenes. Um, and yet there's two characters that don't. Those two characters are Caleb and Joshua. And that's back in, in a Bible book called Numbers. Um, there's a long time then before we actually get to the book of Joshua, which is the story of Joshua. But it's interesting because at this point in the Bible, which is what I want to talk about first, Joshua's spoken to by Moses. Now, we, we, we hear nothing of him up until this point, And then they're actually sent out as these spies into another land. Um, and at that point, Moses speaks to Joshua. Now, this whole thing today and the series has been about we all need it. And we've said dot, 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 haven't we? And we've had, um, we've, we had Rob, we've had Deborah, we've had Jonathan, we had Barnabas last week. Is that it? Those three? So we all need at dot, dot, dot. And they're wonderful characters, as I say. Um, we do all need characters like this. But as Rob spoke of last week, I think we also need to be characters similar to these people, which is what I was saying earlier. So when we go through this story of Joshua, please look at it in the context of we can be a, as opposed to we need. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to need. We're here today, hopefully to learn something. But at the same time, the impact we can have on the world is when we're built up ourselves and we can be that person or those characteristics to others. So when we go through this story, a lot of this is based more on what I want you to do is become a dot, dot, dot. Okay. So if we go to the first point, please, Baz. Accept your new name. Now, we're all born, of course, with a name. And our names are picked um, by our parents. They may have some significance. They're usually a favorite of parents. They always wanted to call their little boy or little girl, such and such. Maybe it's a name associated with a relative from the past. In the Bible stories, names are very, very symbolic and carry great significance. And Moses spoke to Joshua. Have you got the scripture bars, please? Which is, this is from Numbers. Um, and it says, these are the names of the men Moses sent to scout out the land. So if you remember, Joshua had been sent out as a spy to go into a foreign land to see what the land was like. And as he did this, Moses says this. Moses gave Hoshea, which had a meaning, which was salvation. So he'd already carried a name which had some meaning. Son of Nun, which is what uh, Joshua was. He was the son of Nun. A new name. And the new name was Joshua, which meant God saves. Now at that point, nothing more said of that. This is in the book of, of Numbers. We then go a long, long way through the book of Deuteronomy before we get to the book of Joshua, before we start to see Joshua outwork the purpose in his life. So at quite an early stage in his life, he's given a new name. And then he must ponder that. He must wonder, what's, that been, what's the purpose of that? Why has that been bestowed upon me? 
if we actually read and understand it, the, the name, if you go back to it, please, Baz. The name Joshua brackets, God saves, close brackets, was taken from, or the purpose of that was to say that God saves as opposed to receiving salvation from. Again, it's, it's, it's typical Old Testament concepts of explaining what these things meant to people. But Joshua in his future was going to lead the people out of um, persecution, out of the wilderness that they'd been in with Moses, into a promised land. He didn't know that at this stage, but he'd been given the name in advance, and that was going to be his calling upon his life. Now, it was not, of course, him that was going to save the people when he got there. Of course, it's God that saves the people when they get there. So it's, it's a reminder to us all that even though we may be given new names in our lives, we may become associated with things in our lives, we must remember what's fundamentally underneath all that. We mustn't become arrogant with the position we may find ourselves in in life. We must remain humble to who's given us that name. Of course, at the same time, we must embrace that new name. Now, many years ago, I became a father. Not a new father anymore. I've got two children, 10 and 12. But I was given a new name 12 years ago. I was a dad. I hadn't been a dad before that. And sometimes we don't want that new name because we're familiar with the environment that we're in prior to re receiving that. Many years before that, we got married. Mandy and I got married 20 years ago. 20 years ago this year. Um, before that, I wasn't a husband. I became a husband. There are times through that walk that we don't want to associate with that name, but we have to live within the purpose and the design that that's given us, because it comes with great responsibility. So sometimes we need to embrace these things. We need to celebrate what we've been given, understand. Maybe we don't fully grasp the concept at the time, as Joshua probably didn't back then. But for the purposes of our future, it's something that we have to walk into. Many of us here have become Christians. Many of us here have been baptized. And when we go into that pool and we come back out, we effectively all receive a new name. Now that new name, of course, is life with Christ. And again, it's something that initially we may not fully understand the concept of, but we carry it. The purpose of Joshua's new name was actually that he was going to be the one to lead the Israelites out of the promised land, uh, sorry, out of the wilderness into the promised land. Moses didn't do that. Now at this time, as I say, Joshua wasn't aware of that. But the, the word Joshua, the name Joshua, if translated from Greek, also into English means Jesus, okay? Excuse me. Now, Jesus, of course, another character. I should have done Jesus when I saw the G, shouldn't I? Really? But Joshua, the purpose of that to me is Joshua emancipated the Israelites from where they were, freed the Israelites physically from the wilderness into the promised land. And the new name was given to him to do that. Now, we as people, when we are given our new name, when we become Christians, when we become followers of Christ, we don't physically rename you all when we, when we baptize you. You don't rename yourselves when you become a Christian, when you give you, your life to, to Christ. But spiritually, you do receive a new name at that time in your life. 
You're not emancipating yourself from a physical place, and Jesus has emancipated you from your mental slavery. There's this, the song I once sang, remember? Bob Marley, we won't get to that again. But then our commission in life, of course, is to do the same with others. So to carry that new name forward, maybe we don't understand at the time, the great commission that Christ gives us all is to bring others to him. So the significance of that new name is great. We don't always remember that. And maybe Joshua, when Moses said this, maybe he's a passing comment to him, thought, oh, that's nice. He's given me a new name today. And, and had to walk many, many years with, with uh, Moses before he understood the, the, the real truth of what was going to happen in that. But think on that. Think the, the, the meaning and the, I guess, the responsibility that comes with these things. Husband, wife, father, Christian. Powerful words, aren't they? And in this modern age at times, people don't fully embrace the significance of what they do when they become these people. Embrace those new names in your life. Celebrate who you are with those new names and live them out to the full. Okay. Now, second uh, scripture, please, Baz. I think Joshua understood his new name. Later on, when he became a leader um, of Israel, when Moses had passed that over to him, or God had passed it over to him, Joshua said this, and he was speaking to the people now. So he's become a leader. He's embraced and fully understood where he was as a follower of God, but, but under Moses' stewardship, part of um, a senior group maybe, um, one of the tribe leaders, but certainly not leading the way. Um, and then all of a sudden, he is leading the way. And he says this to people. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. And then he says this. As for me and my family, we'll worship God. Now, I think at that point... Joshua fully understood the, the, the new name that he'd received. He'd embraced and understood the purposes within his life, and he was prepared to stand on that faith and stand up to the people and say, look, it's choice time, guys. You either go that way or you go this way. But as for me and mine, we go this way. And there are times in our lives when we have to make those decisions, aren't we? There are times as families when we have to make those decisions. There are times as churches when we make such decisions, difficult decisions, but we have, if we have conviction in our purpose and in our new name, and we stand, of course, on faith in God, then we can choose the right path. And I think that's what Joshua did. So um, my first point, accept your new name. I'm doing well. There's 20 minutes to go. I've got three points, and I've got 30 minutes to preach, so that's 10 minutes uh, each that's doing well isn't it I said to man this morning that when I when I preach and I don't think I preach probably tell you some facts and then I hope that you get something out of it um but I find myself like watching Billy Connolly when you watch Billy Connolly uh, other than the comedy of course and the beard <laughs> and the swearing hopefully and the Scottish accent, for that matter. But anyway, when you hear Billy Connolly go into a, a comedy act, he starts off on one subject and one topic, 
and then he meanders over there, and then he goes over there, and then he goes over there, and then he goes over there, and then he's got five minutes left, and he's got to wind up. And I often find it that way. So I'm trying to discipline myself this morning. So first point over, 18 minutes to go. Second point, please, Baz. Now this is kind of the story really of Joshua, I think. Because if you remember what I said about Joshua earlier on, he was part of Moses' gang. Um, If we just wind the clock back a bit, Moses was chosen by God, another of these human characters living his life, suddenly spoken to by God, um, put in a position, fearful of that position, asked God not, not to give him the position, but accepted it ultimately, asked for some help because he struggled to speak to the people. So God um, allowed him, his brother Aaron to walk with him and to be the spokesman. Joshua was part of this wonderful campaign to see the people saved, the people come out of this persecution that they're living in. But then all of a sudden, Moses is told by God that he's not going to be the man to take the Israelites into the promised land. Now you imagine following somebody for that length of time in your life to be told that that's not going to happen now. The people then had to live in the wilderness for many years. The only thing that stopped Joshua dying in the wilderness was the integrity within his character when he went in as a spy. There were two characters, remember I said, there was Caleb and there was Joshua. And they were the two that came back and said, we mustn't fear what we see in the promised land and we can go forward with this. And because of that, Moses actually, sorry, God actually said to Joshua, you will now be the people that take them across into the promised land. So only those two characters from that time lived long enough to take people through. How many times in our lives do we walk with people who we assume are going to be there forever? Who are going to comfort us, who are going to give us that security that we often crave? And yet, how many times do they fall away and leave us exposed to the world all of a sudden, finding that we're the ones that perhaps, perhaps have to do something about this situation, have to take it forward, that no longer is the support that we thought was always going to be there, there for us, and we have to step up to the mark. Now, this is what happened to Joshua. But before I go to the, the big scripture with it, if you like, there's one other. If you put numbers 13 up, Baz, please. This intrigued me, just, just thinking about character and, and how he is again. Because, sorry, Baz, not that one. The next one. Go on, next scripture, please, mate. It's a Billy Connolly moment, I'm going to have to digress. I'll read it out to you, unless I've gone the other way around. In Numbers 13, this is when the, um, Caleb and Moses came back to Moses and spoke. Caleb and Joshua came back to Moses and spoke about what they'd seen in the Promised Land. Caleb interrupted, called for silence before Moses and said, let's go up and take the land now. We can do it. Now that's Caleb speaking, not Joshua And I would imagine that Joshua assumed, therefore, 
that Caleb was likely to be the more forceful character, the person that maybe would lead them forward into the promised land. Not himself, but Joshua was true to his own character. He didn't butt in, he didn't interrupt, he supported, and at that time, that was his position. Later on, and if you go to the next scripture now, please, Baz. This happened. I'll read this out to you. After the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, he doesn't get a chance to dwell on that. He doesn't get a chance to mourn that situation. This God is a God of action, and he wants something going on. Get going. Cross this Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I'm giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on. Just as I promised Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country, and then west to the Great Sea. It's all yours. All your life, no one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Just halt it at that point. Now, if God speaks that to you, you'd think you'd be pretty convinced that all that was going to happen, wouldn't you? He's promised all that to us or to them. And yet still, he needs to remind Joshua, strength, courage. You are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Nobody else, you. God is bestowing upon him then the calling that he gave him in that name change way before in his life. And he's now affirming the position that he's in. All of a sudden, Joshua's in the limelight. Moses is dead. The people are still there. The people need to move forward. And God has said to Joshua, this is going to happen, but you need to take part in this. Now, we can often become bystanders in life, can't we? We can watch events happen. We can see things go on. And we know fundamentally that all will be well as Christians. As God says to Joshua here, it'll all happen. But he wants him to partake in it. He wants him to feature in this move from one place to another. As the same applies to us. So when I say, yes, we all need it. We could just look out for this great leader to take us somewhere. After all, that's what the Jews were looking for with Jesus. When they wanted the Messiah to come, they wanted a great leader who would destroy all those in front of them and take them into a promised land. When Jesus came, that didn't happen. Jesus put the onus upon ourselves as human beings to live a certain way, to live a certain life, and to transform the world as a result. And it's just the same here with Joshua, that God says to him, this is what's going to happen we're going to win the game. You know, there's no doubt about the result. Victory is ours. But strength, courage. You are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Everything you have. How hard's that? Everything. Not a little bit of yourself. Not leaving the Tuesday afternoon bit at home because we don't really want to give that bit to God. But everything that we have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you. Every bit of it. 
Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. I think, a few months back now, I spoke of, is it John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress? Um, and that story of the trials of life and having to stay on path. This is what God's reminding Joshua of here. Despite all the promises and the knowledge of what's going to happen, and despite the fact that to us he's a superhero, he's a human being, and he's exposed to the risk that we all live with, that we can stray from the path. So be watchful always, and don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of mind. To us, don't forget to focus upon Christ's teachings, the Bible, the ways of this world will conflict with that, so we need to live with those reminders constantly within us. Ponder and meditate on it day and night. That doesn't mean just get up in the morning, read five minutes of the Bible and forget about it. Ponder and meditate. That means use this. Think about what goes in here and actually consider what's going on in the world and then act upon it. Making sure you practice everything written in it. It's not a theology, Christianity. It's not something that we study here on a Sunday morning. If that's all it is, this is pointless because this isn't what Christ wanted as a church, really. This is an opportunity to worship, to engage, to celebrate, to learn, but then to act on. And to act on is when we get out there and live our lives in the world. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. And then he says again, haven't I commanded you? Feels like God's saying, come on, I've told you now, get going. Strength, courage, don't be timid and don't get discouraged. So easy, isn't it, to get discouraged, to be fired up on a Sunday or to read a scripture, to meditate on it, to convince yourself that you're going to do something. And then the situation arises, difficulties come, discouragement comes within us, and we fall. Now, we, we don't have to worry about that situation because we are forgiven for all things. I could think this morning, I've messed up here, big style. I shall be talking to you about Jethro today. But I'm not. I'm talking to you about Joshua. That's as good as it gets today. So we overcome that. We put it aside and we move forward, and we live with the circumstances of our lives, but we have a foundation that gives us a position of strength to move from always, and that's why God's saying to Joshua, meditate, remember, don't forget those things that, that really matter to you. God, your God, is with you every step of the way, every step you take. I'll be watching you. So, that's how it is. That's what God is reminding us of. He knows we're not superheroes. He knows that when we become Christians, we'll fail, we're weak, we'll get discouraged. We need to be reminded that we can have strength and courage, but we can. We know that victory is ours. We know God said there, you will get to the promised land. But he also said, you play a part in this. And that happens to us every day. We have to play a part in the world. We have to be part of this journey of life, not a bystander. Is that the end of that scripture, Bars? It is.
So point three, we've now got six minutes to go. So we'll press on. Point three, unite, don't divide. Now many times in the story of the Israelites um, wandering in the wilderness, we see dissension, difficulties, fallouts, people basically, any group of people together. We don't live very harmoniously, do we, a lot of the time, sadly. We try our best, but um, people rub people up the wrong way. People get frustrated, discouraged, and things happen. Joshua was focused upon uniting people. His purpose was to bring the whole Israelite nation into the promised land, but not then to leave them sitting there with no authority structure, no purpose, no position. So he united the people. And, and if you actually go through the book of Joshua, most of the book of Joshua is about the conquests and victories as a result of that um, passage that we just read. God's telling Joshua that the land is theirs, that he's going to move people out of that land, that they're going to fight battles and destroy, and they do. And most of Joshua's life is as a warrior. He never settles. He never rests and enjoys, one might say, the fruits of his efforts. They are for the next generation. So Joshua's sacrifice within his life is to move the people across, to clear the way for them, and then to unite them. And in that unity, he actually bestows parts of the land to the individual people. He's aware that if he doesn't do that, there will be disunity and then people will fall back. As we walk through our lives, we have many opportunities every day to either unite or to disunite. Can't we become judgmental with people so easily? And there's a wonderful side story within the book of Joshua when Joshua actually sends um, some of his own spies um, in to find out what the land's looking like. And they don't deny the position of the land, but they're actually captured. And it's a story of a, um, a lady of ill repute, shall we say, called Rahab. And she looks after these people, and she is honorable towards them and protects them. And she asks that when they come back and take the city, that they don't destroy her and her family. Now, of course, they agree to this because of what she's done for them. But she then had a faith and a confidence that this would happen. And she actually had to make them aware of where she lived by putting a, a red rope, if you like, outside of, of her window when the Israelites came into the city to destroy them. The point of this being, her previous life was a sinful life. These were Israelites who followed a book that told them what was correct, what was incorrect, according to how they were to live. And yet, Joshua and his people understood that her faith, if you like, in this position and her conviction to do what she could see was the right thing allowed them to take that precedent, if you like, over the things she'd done in the past. Now, our faith with Christ overcomes our sin. If it didn't, we would be destroyed today because we're all of a sinful nature. 
But through God's grace, every day we are forgiven of sins. Thank you, God. And we're able to move forward as a result of this. And when we look to the world and people around us, we can so often become judgmental of their perceived way of life, how they live, how they behave. And we can take maybe a standpoint that that is perceived to be right, but is actually judgmental. The judgment is Christ's and God's to, 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 to meter out to us all, ultimately. We are here to unite, to show love, to show unity to a world that needs unity, not separation and division. And Joshua demonstrates that through the way that he lives his life. He demonstrates and he recognized that it wasn't just getting from point A to point B, but it was creating a unified nation from that point onwards that allowed people to live harmoniously together and not have judgment upon each other. That's how we have to be, in my view, to create a better world. And I think it's a view beyond mine because if that wasn't the way, God wouldn't have sent Jesus because none of us are superheroes. We're all fallen characters. Tim is here. It's time to go. This journey of life that that we live um, is a fascinating journey. It really is. Yes, we're, we're moving constantly from point to point. We maybe don't have the clarity of movement that the Israelites had going from persecution and the wilderness to a promised land. Most of us don't have that. Most of us wake up every day. Some of us with a sense of Groundhog Day often, let's be honest. It's Monday morning tomorrow. We probably know what we did last Monday. Some of us will be doing exactly the same thing tomorrow. But we have a purpose beyond that in our lives. We have an ability, as I said earlier, to free people from their wilderness. And partly ourselves, to remind ourselves regularly and constantly why we do what we do. Why we live the way we live. Um, a couple of weeks ago, whilst I was watching the Tour de France, as you can, those of you that know me can imagine, I was watching. Um, one of the commentators um, who, who was observing what was going on in the race on the day was, was commentating because two of the riders had gone off the front of the pack. The riders ride in what's called a peloton, which is a great group together. Everybody wants to get to the end as quick as they can, of course. Two had gone off the front. And the pack knew they were going to catch them. And they just let them hang out in front of the peloton. And it's a bit like watching a fox hunt, I think. The fox is running and running and running and tiring itself out. And eventually, the hounds are going to catch the fox. And the commentator said this as an ex-rider. Because he was asked, why do riders do this? And he said, we understand the futility of our situation, but it doesn't stop us hoping. Now, every day you watch that race, riders go off the front of the pack. They know that probably 19 times out of 20, they'll get brought back and they won't win the race. But it doesn't stop them hoping. And every day when we wake up, And we may perceive there's a futility within our existence, within our world. We turn Sky News on first thing in the morning and we find horrific things have happened. 
carried out by fellow human beings. It shouldn't stop us hoping. It shouldn't stop us hoping that we know there's a better world that we can create. That if we can do things such as these wonderful characters we've described, but in a modern context, in a Christian context as followers of Christ, Christ's message is simple. Love the Lord your God and love your fellow man as you'd love yourself. And if we can just do those two things, we won't go far wrong. And that's me done. Baz, do you want to get back up? I hope that was okay on Joshua. Jethro, another day. <laughs> okay. And uh, do you want me to waffle a bit, Baz? I'll waffle a bit until, uh, until he comes up. I'm not Billy Connolly. I've told you about jokes. And I haven't got the Scottish accent to do so. If we finish briefly in prayer. Father, I thank you once again for our lives. I thank you that we know you, that we have the vision to see beyond the futility of our situation and that we can live in hope because that's what you brought to this world. That God, you knew that we were failed and going nowhere without you, but you showed us a way You've given us a plan and a purpose and that we can constantly live with that vision of a brighter day if only we engage in the plan. If only we accept that new name that you bestowed upon us all, Lord. Celebrate it. Don't live in fear. Live with strength and courage and be reminded of you and your presence in our lives always. Amen.